your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLocal and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. On tonight's episode, we are going to be recapping some of the action from Winnipeg's game against the Calgary Flames, and uh, already we've been through the first period, so in just a little bit we'll cover what exactly happened, what we saw the Jets kind of going through, and whether or not Winnipeg can actually, I don't know, string together a coherent 20 minutes of hockey. Towards the end of the show, we'll also check in with some of the other games around the league and see just who might be in for some early surprises, whether good or bad, for some of their respective teams. Let's start off with the Jets, though, and, uh, yeah, as you can tell by my slight sigh of exasperation, things did not get off to a rollicking start. Winnipeg just looks really slow, and I feel like, I don't know, for the past couple of seasons, this team just hasn't really seemed right. I don't know what exactly is going on behind the scenes, but players don't really look that engaged. There's a lot of mishandled pucks, really dumb decisions... Kind of poor and lackadaisical defensive efforts, just a lot of really weird stuff that you don't see, and like the attacking presence, especially in the offensive zone, is almost non-existent. It just constantly feels like guys are out there for a skate, and this first period for me was very frustrating. There were a couple of really good individual plays, and I think the highlight, of course, was Patrick Laine going for an immediate snipe that you know, Markstrom never really had a chance on. He was on a bit of a breakaway from a good spring pass thanks to Kyle Connor and an amazing save from Derek Forbort inside of his own net at the other end of the ice. But aside from that, Winnipeg kind of got its teeth kicked in. The Jets are trying to be like this physical forechecking presence, but it's just not really working out. And I think that this is sort of an issue when Paul Maurice wants to have this physical, intense, gritty, meat-and-potatoes team that grinds forechecks along the walls and wins turnovers, but the problem is is this team isn't really suited to that. Winnipeg lost a lot of these board battles against a more physically intimidating, strong, and pretty decently skilled Calgary Flames team. And with, you know, a power play here and there and some just really sloppy play, Winnipeg found itself in a 3-1 hole very quickly. Now, I will say that the line angle was fantastic and I loved it, and Patrick looks like he's here to make a statement. I mean, every time I've seen him over the past couple of, uh, I would say, games that the Jets have played, Line has been really impressive. Even before his injury during the Calgary series, I thought that Patrick was starting to round a corner, and man, tonight, dude, he just looks like he's on fire. Unfortunately, not everyone has had that same look about them. A couple of players in particular have stood out for reasons that aren't great. I think in that Connor Hellebuck is looking a little rusty, which is not the worst thing. I mean, it is what it is, right? Hellebuck hasn't played in a while. You haven't had NHL shooters. He just won a Vezina. It's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period getting used to this new, kind of newish defense. On a related note regarding the defense, the lineup is going to have to change quite a bit because I don't think Morrissey Pullman is something that you really want to have long term. I did mention it heading into this matchup that I thought Morrissey Pullman was not going to be a great pairing. Even Maurice seemed to recognize that last year or the year before. I think it was last season now. But for some reason, in an effort to try and balance things, he put this pairing back together and man, look, 
Pullman just doesn't really have the ability to play with Morrissey. You know, Truba was always very assertive on the puck. You could kind of predict what he was going to do, and you understood when he was going to be aggressive at the blue line, when he was going to drop deeper into the offensive zone. It wasn't necessarily a surprise. With Pullman, you know, he just doesn't really have the IQ to make these high-level plays. And I think a lot of times, because he's so chaotic on the puck and has issues with turnovers, decision-making, and not really recognizing danger fast enough, it put Morrissey in a lot of bad positions. One of the earlier goals from Matthew to Chuck, which was a deflected tip from a Rasmus Anderson point shot, you know, Pullman's battling in the front of the net. And again, Tuchuk is a very good player, very physical, very aggressive in front of the net. But Pullman has to mark him and at least try and disrupt that stick. And instead, Tuchuk got a really clear look and tipped it for an easy goal. So not great. Pullman also had some later sequences in the period where he'd try some sort of a zone exit or a clearance and it just looked really poor. And he ended up making chances for the opponents, which not exactly the way that you want to be playing the puck. So yeah, I don't know 100% what he, you know, the solution here is, other than to try and get DeMello back as soon as possible. You know, Dylan has to take time for his kid, which, super huge congrats to him for just having a new baby. You know, that's obviously a, a momentous moment in his life, and I think it's very important that he takes all the time he needs to uh, savor that moment, take care of his kid, stay with his family, be with his wife, all of the important things. Um, but as far as the defense is concerned, his absence does actually cause quite a bit of havoc for the Jets and highlights the reason why the lack of blue line depth and not having Vili Heinola up immediately is a little bit disconcerting. I think if Heinola were here, I would be a little bit less worried because I think Vili is very smart and has a lot of the same traits that DeMello exhibits, especially maturity and understanding his role and, and making smart decisions and being very careful with the puck. But, you know, that's not going to happen for a bit. Dylan Sandberg is still on the taxi squad. Either way, though, I think that they do have to make a change here because I don't think Pullman at this stage is really capable of carrying any sort of pairing beyond like a third pairing role. He just doesn't read danger enough. Um, it's certainly not at the speed that you need at the NHL level. And I kind of wonder if he'd actually be more suited towards the AHL. As far as players I was uh, impressed with that weren't named Patrick Laine, I thought that Nikolai Ehlers was flying. Ehlers has continued to look amazing like he always does, and on that first line, he's very much a space creator, and I think he's going to be very good with Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler. You know, Wheeler and Shifley, I think Wheeler is probably a little bit more defensively tuned, but, you know, Shifley is definitely somebody who's looking to cheat for offense more frequently and doesn't track back as much. So, you know, with Shifley being more passive, having somebody like Ehlers, who's very aggressive moving up and down the ice, uh, trying to strip turnovers and create offensive opportunities to avoid defensive situations that puts the blue line in jeopardy should really help that top line. I thought Cop might get the look up there if, in fact, Ehlers was sidelined with a, uh, you know, any sort of illness that he was potentially dealing with, but it turns out it's not COVID. He was just feeling unwell, so that's very good news for the Jets, and I think, obviously, his presence has made a huge difference in tonight's game, even though the scoreline doesn't look flattering. You know, this first period, just not so great, and I think Winnipeg is looking very rusty, very behind the eight ball, and hopefully they can come out with the next 20 looking a lot stronger and a lot faster. In just a little bit, we'll get you into some second period action and maybe some closing thoughts on this game. But before then, I wanted to tell you about the fine folks at Built Bar and their recent relaunch of the Built Bar product. For those of you who are longtime listeners of this podcast, you know I'm a big fan of Built Bars. And if you've never had a Built Bar, it's a protein bar with a dark chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. It's more like a candy bar, delicious and guilt-free. 
Of their 12 original flavors, I highly recommend giving the raspberry and mint brownie flavors a try, but if you're not sure, make sure you order the variety box so you can get a nice sampling of all of their top flavors and some new flavors too. Speaking of new flavors, in addition to the 12 existing flavors, Built Bar is back and better than ever with six brand new flavors including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. As good as these flavors sound, they're even better for you, with most Built Bars clocking in at 200 calories or less, between 50 to 19 grams of protein, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber, so they're perfect for keto diets as well as weight loss and weight maintenance programs. To place your order, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to this Locked On Jets episode. We are going to be continuing our game recap of what exactly transpired between the Winnipeg Jets and the Calgary Flames on their season opener. But before then, I thought you should know about why you need to be listening to Locked On Bets right now. 2020 is thankfully over, and it's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want even more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Back to the Winnipeg Jets action, I mentioned earlier that I had hoped that the second period would be a bigger showing from the Jets, and that's more or less what we got. Winnipeg actually started to push things at even strength, even though at times they weren't really effective. I think that there were some areas where maybe they had a couple of really nice crossing passes, a few trapezoid or triangle sequences that could have almost ended in a goal, maybe in a pass here was overcooked or a shot was blocked there or somebody just overthought things here and there but you know Winnipeg ultimately still came out tying the game and the first goal came very quickly actually it was kick-started by a nice rush from Nikolai Ehlers who put a really dangerous shot on goal that Markstrom really wasn't able to corral the puck just sort of fell to Mark Shifley who shoveled it into the back of the net to get the lead to just one goal ahead for Calgary and then Winnipeg later got into some power play opportunities thanks to some really bad and stupid penalties from the Flames and ultimately the Jets ended up capitalizing and things were looking pretty good. The tying goal was a beautiful one-time shot from Kyle Connor on the right side, which is interesting. You don't always see him there, but a nice shot, very pretty goal, and kind of what you need Connor to do, because at even strength, he wasn't super noticeable tonight. The rest of the period mostly saw Winnipeg clawing back into this game, and you could say it was score effects or whatever, but I just think, for the most part, Winnipeg kind of woke up. They actually started playing hockey and, and pushing things aggressively in the way that we know that they can. As far as players I thought were pretty good, I thought Sami Niku actually acquitted himself nicely. In the offensive zone, I thought he picked really smart areas to operate in. I think he activated effectively. He dropped below the face-off circles when he felt it was necessary. And he created some pretty good space and threaded the needle on a couple of nice rushes here and there. I thought his defensive positioning was fine enough. He's not really going to be somebody who shuts down offensive opportunities in front of the net too often, but, you know, it was all right. I think he was certainly more effective than some of the other defenders on the night, including guys like Tucker Pullman, who have, you know, again, had some struggles tonight. I think it's not exactly shocking that Tucker has been a little bit in over his head. We all knew coming into this game that, generally speaking, Pullman was, you know, I think somebody we expected to struggle with Morrissey. Like I said in the first period, he's just not somebody who's really capable of top-pairing assignments, and I think playing with Morrissey, you need to be really active, really smart, and really fast. As far as the rest of the team is concerned, I thought that the bottom six was okay. I didn't really see much of the fourth line out there. They had a couple of shifts here and there, but we actually saw a pretty steady diet of Andrew Kopp, Adam Lowry, and Mason Appleton. That line has been pretty decent, but it's not shocking. Cop, Lowry, and Appleton together are like a defensive backbone that you use on the PK, and occasionally they can create some offensive opportunities at even strength. 
The second line was a little inconsistent just because Kyle Connor at times wasn't really, you know, in the exact right spots at even strength, and I think some of his breakouts and counters and stuff really were okay, but not great. Like, he's one of those players who I feel like understands roughly where he needs to go, but he's not always in the right positions to be there, and so I think that that's something he needs to work on at even strength to make that line a little bit more effective, because he's going to be somebody who's going to be in charge of a lot of zone transitions and really puck progression. While, you know, Connor may have been struggling a little bit, I think Patrick Laine actually had a very strong showing this period. This dude, again, just continues to be such a monster, and I feel like his development into, into like a true power forward with an elite release just continues to grow and grow. This guy, I, I was somebody who was very high on, especially when he showed development last season, and was arguably one of Winnipeg's, you know, better wingers throughout the year. Tonight he was everywhere with a really nice game-tying assist on a beautiful pass to Connor for that one-timer on the power play. I thought at even strength he had some really nice shots, he already had the goal earlier in the game, and again he just continues to push his will on this team, and I think as far as somebody who showed real leadership on the ice, it was Line especially late in the period when Noah Hannafin, for no particular reason, shoved Kyle Connor face-first into the boards. Now, in my opinion, this should have been a five-minute major and an ejection. I really don't know how it wasn't, because, I mean, this is just, I don't know, man. They ruled it some kind of a board or something, but I'm thinking to myself, this is like a really nasty, nasty hit. And even though Hannafin didn't technically leap off of his feet or anything, it should have been a five-minute ejection. And actually, Connor was still on the ice not too long after that, should have been in the room instead. Kyle was definitely stunned for a few seconds there and looked like he wasn't 100% sure what was going on, so that was very disconcerting and worrying. He's a player that the Jets really don't need to see getting injured in any sort of capacity at all. He needs to stay healthy, need to keep him safe and protected, because he's actually a fairly important goal scorer for this team. Even though, you know, at times it is, his even strength play does leave you wanting a little bit, doesn't mean that he's still not important to this team. As for the subsequent power plays that started coming around, I thought they were okay, looking decent. Um, part of the punch was a bit missing just because Patrick Laine ended up kind of rushing in and dropping the gloves and getting a roughing minor when he went after Hannafin and Chuck. I said this on my personal Twitter, like I'm not a huge fan of fighting or anything, but I think it was actually very good to see Laine really sticking up for his teammates, getting physically involved and not afraid to mix it up and put himself in a position of where um, he's essentially trying to dictate his will and really be a leader on the team. I don't mind some of this stuff sometimes just because I do think it is important that, you know, players have a good chemistry and a good rapport, and seeing him stick up for Connor definitely isn't something I would complain about. His presence was missed a bit on the power play, but again, this team has plenty of weapons to take his place, and, you know, Lina wasn't sidelined for that long, so... All in all, that second period, I would say, pretty good to see. Aside from that real big scare with Connor and the hit, I am happy with the performance. I think the Jets actually showed up and started to wake up. Maybe all is not lost. We'll see what happens in the third period, and then check in on a few other games before we close out tonight. But before we go too much further, I thought you should hear about betonline.ag. For a lot of you listeners, even though you primarily follow hockey, maybe you're also a huge NFL fan, and you're probably really excited about the upcoming playoff brackets. Maybe you were rooting for one of the wildcard teams and things didn't exactly go your way, but you still want a piece of the action. If you're looking for the best, safest, and most reliable place to do your online betting on all the top NFL games, look no further than betonline.ag. They've got all the top sports including college football, NFL action, NHL action, and more. If you think you know who the next Stanley Cup champ is one game into the season, 
or want to bet on the next NFL team to hoist the Lombardi Trophy, log on to betonline.ag today and create your free account. When you do, use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Stop sitting on the sidelines, watching from TV, and missing out on all the action. Create your free account at betonline.ag today, and again, don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are wrapping up tonight's episode with some thoughts about the end of this opening game between the Calgary Flames and Winnipeg Jets, as well as a live look in at some of the other games around the league. And I am happy to report that despite my earlier misgivings about the, the start to this game and you know the early deficit that the team found itself in, Winnipeg rallied back and ended up winning in overtime 4-3. After that opening 20 minutes, I know it's a little bit cliche to say, oftentimes people say like it's a tale of two halves, but really it was like a tale of one really trash, trash period, and then two periods of relative domination. The second period especially, Winnipeg just kind of ran through the Flames' defense and really created a lot of dangerous opportunities. The scoreline was completely deserved. I will say that the third period was probably a bit closer, but overall Winnipeg was a stronger team, and through a, a really great stroke of incredible goalkeeping from Jacob Markstrom on multiple sequences, it was sort of a miracle that the Jets didn't win in regulation. The overtime winner came off the stick of Patrick Laine, and of course Laine had a great goal earlier and a nice assist, but this goal man was a thing of beauty. He was deep in the defensive zone, getting the puck, and saw Pionk, and then not too many guys ahead of him. I think there was just maybe one Calgary skater back. And Line kind of recognized that there was a potential here to get a nice breakaway opportunity or an odd man situation if he kind of timed things right. So he did like a nice little body feint, bit of a crossover, and sort of dummied Sean Monaghan in the corner, and created a glorious breakout with Neil Pionk that ended up with him trying to pass the puck at first, and then the puck sort of came back to him, so he just wristed it and scored which is just like the Patrick Liney experience in a nutshell. That whole sequence from end to end was just astoundingly good. Really smart, really intelligent, and absolutely lethal. This is what I've been saying Liney will be capable of one day if he starts to work on the different elements of his game, continues to improve in all of the right areas, and becomes a more complete power forward. I'm telling you, man, if Liney is this kind of player throughout the rest of the season... Yeah. I don't even know what to say, man. Patrick is starting to look more and more like the superstar we've always believed he could be. Aside from that, I would say that standout performers from tonight, if I had to pick three stars, Nikolai Ehlers gets the first, Patrick Laine would get the second, and then, well, I think like the first two stars, you could probably argue some position rankings, but I'd say they're about even. Third star, mm, tough one. I might actually go with a little bit of an underrated pick. I think Derek Forbort was actually very good despite... Um, a couple of moments where he mishandled the puck. I think overall his defensive presence, his distribution, and his offensive zone work, all of it seemed to be pretty good. He was a very smart acquisition. I felt like he, especially for the contract price, did more than his fair share of the load in the defensive zone and in creating breakouts and counters. So like as a distant but still pretty decent third star, I'd be happy with him. I think that in lieu of having somebody like DeMello in the lineup, Forbort really held down the fort and did his best with a, uh, a defensive backline that was really struggling at times. Morrissey Pullman, yeah, pretty rough. Bolu Niku at first was okay throughout the first couple of periods, but the third period Niku kind of fell off a little bit and Bolu was struggling as well, so I don't know if we'll see Niku too much in the near future, especially once DeMello and maybe Sandberg or Heinle enter the lineup, but... I mean, overall, after that first period, I really can't complain about the rest of the game. I thought the Jets had a very strong performance. Hellebuck was still a little bit shaky, but overall did enough to stay in the game and keep the deficit to just two or three goals at a time. And yeah, man, Patrick Liney and Ehlers did the rest. 
Checking in around the league, we have a couple of interesting score lines. Vancouver right now is entering the third period about midway through, and they are down 2-4 to four to Edmonton, and McDavid has a hat trick because it's what McDavid does. Anaheim and Vegas are in a 2-2 draw right now in the middle of the second period. Minnesota is currently trailing the Los Angeles Kings in the halfway point of the second period, 2-1. Um, to one. Not too bad, but fairly boring game from what I understand. Earlier today, Washington beat the Buffalo Sabres 6-4. to four. Very crazy game. I don't think that the Caps' defense was great, but their offense certainly was. Boston ended up beating New Jersey in a shootout, and it looks like the, the Bruins were pretty good. I think the Devils ended up conceding tons of shots, but somehow, you know, Mackenzie Blackwood did enough, and they at least scrapped out a point. The Rangers, on the other hand, really didn't do much of anything against the Islanders, and New York kind of tore apart its, its closer sibling for nothing. Carolina also did the same to Detroit. The Red Wings really couldn't do much of anything at all, and Carolina thrashed them 3-0. I think they outshot them by like a margin of 30 shots, which, to put it bluntly, is pretty ugly. As far as the other remaining games, we see Nashville defeating Columbus 3-1, and San Jose is currently leading Arizona 3-1, heading into the halfway point of the third period. So, all in all, pretty crazy action around the league. I think that the, uh, the Jets-Flames game was... Probably one of the more entertaining ones on the night. The rest haven't been, I think, as as competitive or as exciting. So, really good game. Glad to see the Jets win. We'll pick some games over the next couple of days to recap and update any Winnipeg Jets news. But in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. Before you log off, be sure to check out the Locked On National podcast. Because the NHL regular season is underway, and the best way to keep track of all of it is by subscribing to Locked On NHL. Local experts each week bring you the biggest stories, game recaps, and fantasy advice all in one podcast. Subscribe to Locked on NHL on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.